you in the name of all that is good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. Thank you for that wonderful rendition of Amazing Things. I love that song. When I hear it sung so well as you all just did, I, I end up singing it myself throughout the week. Because it feels like it comes directly from the source. It comes directly from the force. It comes directly from God itself. Amazing Things. You know, the energy of that song reminds me of a story from the ancient teachings in which it says, imagine if you took all the waters of the planet and you took all the waters of the planet, the lakes, the oceans, the the streams, you put them all together. And then you put an inner tube in the middle of the water and a turtle's head would randomly turn up every 1,000 years. And according to the story, the odds of that turtle's head popping through that inner tube is greater than you and I having a human incarnation. That would be more likely than having a human incarnation. Because according to the ancients, there are infinite spiritual beings and only limited body temples. So your human incarnation, my human incarnation, is so precious and rare, the odds of having one may be trillions to one. So the way that I look at it, the Spirit of God so loved us, it gathered the greatest, the strongest, the most capable, and the most fearless spirits and said, oh, do I have a place for you to do amazing things. You know, for that to happen, we must engage in the ascension process, which is going to be my theme between now and Easter. And the intention of the ascension process is for us to recognize and demonstrate our oneness with this presence in which we spiritualize our body. We spiritualize our body of affairs called our life by committing our entire being to the presence of God until every aspect of us is lifted up, making it possible for us to do those amazing things. It is a journey. And this journey is about releasing the life energy and releasing the inner splendor and walking in that awareness and tuning in to being something we have never been before in order that you and I and all of us can do something that has never been done before. In other words, to do those amazing things. In order to be that something and to do that something, 
we must engage in a process of self-discovery. You know, when we practice self-discovery, we're expressing who and what we really are as children of God, as children of the Most High. And when we do, we overcome our false beliefs. We overcome the false notions about life. We overcome those self-imposed limitations that we have put upon ourselves. So our spiritual work is not just about being happy with who we are. Now, don't get me wrong. Happiness and joy is, is basic, is intrinsic to our being. I think God wants us to be, in ha- be happy, to be in joy. You know, but nonetheless, even though we accept people exactly as they are, we still expect them to change, to grow, develop, and unfold while you're happy along the way. But here's the thing. We come to our spiritual work play to do our spiritual work play so that we can become something, become more, become something we've never been before, and we can do so much more, more than we've ever done before. We are here to be different. As it says in Romans, the 12th chapter, in the second verse that we're so familiar with, we're here to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, not to conform to the world at all, but to be transformed by renewing our mind and heart. So we may be asking, where in the heck do we start? I believe it starts by beginning to have the right definition of ourselves. This will provide the right map, the right map, so to speak, so that it'll guide us in the right way on our journey. And that is to become the full expression of what God is in this dimension, the three-dimensional world. And if we do not start out with the right perception of ourselves, we're defeated even before we begin. Because what we don't have in this New Thought Ancient Wisdom teaching is the belief that we have to suffer. We don't have the belief that we have to sacrifice to please God, to atone for being born sinners. That is not the right perception of how God sees us. It is not the right map. You know, recently I was out of town taking some time off, you know, visiting family. And I was in a part of, uh, of a town that I'd never been before. And I, I was told an address to go meet some folks. And I put the address in, in Google directions in, in my phone and, and, uh, in order to get to a special store to meet up with them. And for some reason, I ended up in a destination that was a deserted lot. I mean, there was no one around, and, you know, when a few people did come by, they looked to be a little shaky, a little shady, and I realized I had put in the wrong address. And that reminds me, you know, it doesn't matter how good the directions may be. If it's based on the wrong information, it's not going to get me or anywhere where we want to go. In the same way, without the right definition of ourselves, we will not fulfill our destiny that God has for us. You know, somewhere a long time ago, someone interpreted and misheard the word of God. They heard the word center as the word sinner. And that misguided theologian began to teach that we're all sinners in the eyes of God. But what was said is we're all divine centers in the mind of God. 
Understand, God does not make jump. God does not have a throwback in the bunch. We're all unique expressions of this presence. We need to catch back, catch that. Many of you may be familiar with a, a game that you, and these I know I played when I was in elementary school with the teacher. And, and what would happen that the teacher would whisper something in someone's ear at the very front of the class. And then they would have to whisper it in the person behind them, and they would go through the whole class. And by the end of the person, the last person in the class to hear, they would say something that was totally different than what was said at the beginning. Well, somebody did not hear that we were divine centers in the mind of God. They heard that we were sinners. And they've been passing that falsehood on for a long time. It's now in books. It's now in some people's sermons. It's now in, you know, the way that some people act and they are very intellectual about it. They say, you know, we're all sinners, you know. And they say it with such highfalutin possibility. And all they have done is created a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because the moment you accept that, you are cut off. You're separated in the mind of God and we begin to act that way. We begin to carry ourselves that way. We begin to be open to those kinds of thoughts rolling through our awareness. Then it becomes that self-fulfilling prophecy of someone who is cut off from the presence and the power of God and their true identity. We want to be reminded we are a divine center in the mind of God with infinite possibilities of expressing the all good right here and right now. This is committing ourselves to the Lord or what we call the great law of life, the law of our being. And there are some things we can do to practice and to activate that law in our life. And one of those things is to take heed of the words from Philippians, the third chapter in the 13th verse, where it says, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. You know, among other things, we must not allow our past, our conversations about our past, to become our future experience. So many times we have conversations in our head about our past and our misconceptions about ourselves or what has happened to us, what is meant to us, and all the particulars about all of the past and the ramifications of them and, and the ways that we have been coping and defended ourselves because of what has happened sometime in the past. And what has a tendency to happen, the conversation, the story about our past becomes our events of our future experience. You know, the other day, my son had my car I needed to get somewhere, so I called an Uber. And the driver was from the country of Macedonia, and he was telling me about you know, what it would like to live up there, and it had, I think it had a totalitarian rule, and you know, there were some good things about it. So we had a very good conversation. But one of the things he was saying that he had a lot of people would come into his car, and they were always complaining about something that happened in their past. And he was thinking to himself if they had any idea how good they really had it they would not complain at all. 
And I bring that up because primarily, you know, we're often not allowing the now of God, the eternity of God to break through our life so that we can become new and different regardless of what has happened in the past. And allow the expression of the Spirit to take us over and stop that story. So we want to hear this statement. We want this statement to really sink in. We don't want to believe everything that passes through our mind. You know, we want that to sink in. You know, there's an old metaphysical axiom that I'm sure you've seen from time to time. It's on bumper stickers and we see it and they put it in another way when they say don't believe everything that you think. We're talking about words ringing in our head that we may have accepted as truth but has nothing to do with the amazing being that you are, that we all are. Words like, what if I can't succeed at this? How come I'm not enough? Why can't I be happy? What if I'm not good enough? What if they reject me or reject my, 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 my work? Do not believe everything that passes through your awareness everything that runs through your mind, because it simply may be an opinion. Those things may just be propaganda. They may be an outright lie. Don't believe it just because it's moving through your consciousness. That's why self-awareness is so important. Be aware of what's passing through your awareness, through your mind, because those thoughts are powerful. And we have to be able to discern whether it's real or fake beliefs. We have to discern whether it's an insight or propaganda, whether it's you and I regurgitating a past perception that's floating through or whether it's a real bona fide revelation coming from the spirit itself. And so we want to ask, does it carry love? Does it carry kindness? Does it carry spiritual growth and development and unfoldment? Does it carry generosity and love and the givingness of the heart? If the thoughts that you are having are not of God quality, if they're not amazing in their quality, fire them, release them, let them go, kick them to the curb. Because as we practice self-discovery, we realize every thought that we think is a seed pod for our future experience. And if we're rushing headlong into the future based upon our past all that we're doing is becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy of what has already happened to, through, or as us. It might be a different make. It might be a different model. But it will be the same old stuff. You know, Apostle Paul said we're here to a die daily. I have a lot of things to dispute about Apostle Paul, but he had some good things to say as well. He said we have to die daily so that we're here to learn how to die daily, not physically die, but simply die to our old ideas. Here's the thing. All spiritual growth is about letting go of something. This is the work that we're about. It's about letting go, letting go, letting go, and continue to die daily to the past and the fantasy called the future so that the beingness of the Spirit can take us over. You know, as a spiritual family, as a global family, we must become something we have never been before in order to do something we've never done before. And we have to do a lot of new things to transform our world. 
You know, when we look at the world of appearances and all of the things that are going on or going down with the political divide, the pandemic, the conflicts and wars, you know, and as we look around and see, you know, even wars still going on in, in many ways, not just the wars that we read about. We know that anytime we have a war on anything, it's just going to proliferate that which we are having a war on, whether it's a war on ignorance, whether it's a war on illiteracy, whether it's a war on canceled culture, whether it's a war on this belief or that belief. We must totally give up the concept of having a war on anything and begin to open ourselves up to an entirely different possibility that spirit has in store for us. Otherwise, we end up reinforcing the very thing that we do not want. So as we contemplate our individual and global past, we want to fire many of those stories about that past that often set up our future in a way that we know is not our highest and best. You know, in this season for nonviolence, one of the reasons we have that is, you know, someone once said that, you know, whenever we have a conflict, it's going to, end all wars, you know, they have this statement, you know, the war that ends all wars. The reality is no war can end all wars. There's only peace that ends all wars. Because the energy that we send out comes back eventually. That's not an opinion, it's the law, because the measure you give is the measure you get back. And the soul's journey is that we have to become something that we've never been before so that we can do and express something we've never had expressed before. You know, we heard Russell sharing the seed of a nonviolent reading earlier. And it was on the commitment to peace. And that, that statement reminds me of a gentleman by the name of Ariatni, and he's from Sri Lanka. And he was a strong believer in the Gandhian principles of nonviolence. And he received the Gandhi Peace Prize, I think, in the late 90s. And he demonstrated his commitment to peace and was a person that lived in Sri Lanka, and he would go to certain areas in the country, and he was assisted by stopping the civil wars that were going on there. And he would go forth with his nonviolent soldiers. And he would lead the way by being 30 paces ahead of everyone else. And he would bring a spirit of peace and, and of harmony. And they would go in and would make the sides talk to each other and see each other's perspectives. We can use a lot of that in our world today. And he created community banks and co-ops and, and places that he would go. And oftentimes... Ariadne's life was threatened because in war, all kinds of black market things that would thrive, and he would try to bring peace, and not everybody liked that because they were benefiting from the wars. And there were often assassination attempts on him. And one time, Ariadne discovered one assassination attempt, and he even knew the man who was supposed to kill him the very next day. And so... Before he went to town, he went to the man's house and he knocked on his door and the man opened the door and he was shocked to see him. He was shocked to see Ariadne standing right in front of him. And Ariadne said to him, dear sir, it's come to my attention that you have a job to do. I have a job to do. 
Your job is to kill me. My job is to love. And I want you to do your job now because tomorrow if you do your job, then somebody else will probably get hurt. And I don't want that to happen. So you do what you have to do. I'm prepared to do what I have to do. But the man could not take Ariadne's life. He put his weapon in his holster and said to him, you know, if I was raised by a man like you, I would not have turned out to be the man I am today. I cannot do this. And then the man joined Ariadne's nonviolent soldiers regime. And I think the point is this. Ariadne did not succumb to believe that anything was more important than his willingness to love his willingness to have compassion, his willingness to have kindness. He understood the journey of his soul was to release the inner splendor of divine love and compassion and kindness, and he never allowed the priority of why he was here to take a back seat to anything else. I think the message for us as we engage in spiritual self-discovery, we must spend undistractable attention to the presence of God in and as our life, whether it's in prayer work, whether it's our meditation work, whether it's in our affirmations, our studies, or simply helping others. As we pay such undistractable attention to our prayer life, we discover that our prayer becomes like a compass. And of course, anyone who's ever gone on a trip or been in the scouts, as I was a boy scout many years ago and went out on these hikes and these woods and and uh, we used a compass. And we know that regardless of how we may zig or zag on that trip, our compass always was pointing north. Or we used a compass to get us to our destination. And along the way, we would take whatever action that was correct. All of our doing was proper because we're being pointed in that right direction. There's a statement I remind myself of from time to time that says, you see what you aim at. If you don't like what you see, take aim at a new target and manifest a better experience. Imagine if everyone redirected their energy from war implements to peace implements, from hate to love, from separation to oneness how consciousness of the planet would shift. We would have a different focus of energy. We will have a different experience. This is engaging in spiritual self-discovery. It reveals to us the truth that energy flows where our attention goes. What are we aiming at? As you go on this journey of self-discovery, we turn our attention to our true identity as spiritual beings. And we transform our life. We transform our world in ways beyond our imagination. This is our commission. This is our charge. If we do that, we will shift what, what's wrong to what's possible. And imagine what would happen if we saw the news or looked at the internet and we used it for upliftment and healing and transformation, for real education. Imagine we do not try to get rid of technology, but we try to spiritualize it. 
Imagine the consciousness of upliftment being the content of what we see online and on the, the television, if we're watching those anymore. Consider this. Everybody knows somebody who has been diagnosed with an incurable disease, perhaps. But through prayer, something happened. Everybody was listening or watching this now knows at least one person who has had this experience. And that person probably knows at least one other person who's had the same experience. So what if on the news you saw every day people who had so-called incurable diseases, but they kept on healing themselves? People with insurmountable obstacles, but through the gifts of the Spirit, they kept on going and they overcame these seeming obstacles because they expressed gifts of kindness and love and forgiveness, and that was taking place. If what you read or saw in the news, there was always a segment or a segment that said this. The headlines were amazing things that happened today. What would happen? We would step into the awareness that all things are possible. And that happens when we begin to engage in that self-discovery, come from our right identity. And as we do, the cynic within us would die from lack of attention. And what we would see is the face of pure spirit. We can do this. Let's go forth and let it happen. Peace and blessings to you. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center Transforming lives as we love, serve, and remember Who we are One heart